that, that hits home. Thank you. So, okay, the kids are released. Preschool, kindergarten, can go right to there. First through fifth, sixth grade go with uh, Jane back there. And I think the older kids are still with us today because Mr. Tiano is still home with back injuries. So be in prayer for Jim. Okay, so we're in the Gospel of Luke, and we're in the ninth chapter today. Uh, we're calling this series The Narrow Path, because Jesus told us the door, the gate, the way, the road, the path to life is narrow. And, and we've been seeing this throughout the Gospel of Luke, and we see another example of it in today's passage that we're going to look at. And so let's look at Luke uh, chapter 9, starting with verse 18. Okay, great passage. It says, once when Jesus was praying in private... And his disciples were with him. He asked them, who do the crowds say that I am? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others want that one of the prophets long ago has come back to life. But what about you? Jesus asked, who do you say I am? And Peter answered, the Christ of God. Now, that, that's an amazing statement right there. Matthew goes into more detail on that, but I love the succinctness of this, the Christ of God. Now, understand when you see the name Jesus Christ, Christ is not Jesus' last name, okay? That's not how that works. The, the, Christ is a title that literally means anointed one. And to the Jewish person of that day, it meant to them that he was the Messiah, the deliverer of the Jewish people. Because in that day, they were looking for a Messiah to come to deliver them from all the oppressive forces that were, you know, pushing them down, specifically the Roman Empire. And so they were looking for someone to come in and politically, you know, clean it up. They did not realize that the true Messiah was going to come, not to save us from some political power, but to save us from something called sin and ourselves, because that's what we're really in bondage to. And so uh, Jesus came to deliver me and you from this thing, this thing inside us that enslaves us, oppresses us, that makes us miserable, that makes us treat each other miserably. It's the source of all evil and suffering in the world, and it doesn't exist out there, it exists in here, and I need saving from it. And that's what the Messiah, the true Messiah, came to do. And so when I accept the fact that Jesus is the Christ, I accept something in my life that allows me to live in freedom, to live in his peace, and his mercy and grace and forgiveness. Am I, I lost it there. Are we still with that? Okay. And, and that's the gift. That's the wonderful thing. I was contemplating on this. And I even came to the point of thinking of renaming this entire series. It's right, right now we call it the narrow path. I thought about calling it the good path. Because when you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior, you're on a good path. It allows you and me to experience all this goodness. It leads us to a goodness we can't even wrap our heads around. And the really cool thing is we don't have to wait till heaven till we get to experience it. We get to experience God and reflect Christ in the here and now as we get on the path. It's, it's a good path. It's a really, really good path. Let me just ask, how many of you have experienced God's goodness personally? Okay, we got a few hands out there. 
It's a real deal for those of you who are questioning it. Okay, I've experienced it, and I wouldn't trade it for anything. But our passage goes on. In verse 21, Jesus strictly warned them not to tell this to anyone. Okay, what's up with that? I mean, doesn't he want everybody to know? Well, here's the deal. To save us from our sins and ourselves, Jesus still had to go to the cross. Okay? He still had to rise from the dead. And, and so, in order for that to happen, he couldn't have the people take him by force and make him king. So, he's trying to do some crowd control here. He's trying to keep it on the down low because he still has to do the, the deed, the, the final sacrifice, and make the good news happen. In fact, he explains it in, ch- in verses 22 and 24, he's, or 23. And, and then he said, And the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law. And he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. And when Jesus did this, he, that's the good news right there. That's how we become free from sin and death and experience eternal life and fellowship with God. You know, So... Why wouldn't anybody accept this good news? What, what keeps them? What keeps people from accepting this? Well, here's where it gets interesting. Verse 23 goes on, and this is what he says. He says to them all, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will save it. Hmm. The path suddenly got a little narrow there. You know, I'm going, hold up, let's not be hasty. You know, let's, let's give this some thought. All right, do I, what are you saying? What does it mean to take up my cross, deny myself, you know, follow Jesus in order to have life? I have to give up my life. That's, can can we, any other options, you know? And what we discovered is that not everybody is ready to accept this good news because of this requirement that's there. And not everybody is willing to do that. I'm going to piggyback on Mike's message from last week a little bit here. Great message. Because Mike gave us a great message on the parables, and particularly the parable of the sower. But he explained to us how many people were not able to understand the parables. And he kind of talked about why. And it's back to these control issues, because not everybody wants to give their life up to Jesus and let him be their solution. Okay? It's just kind of human nature. And that's what kept them from understanding. They didn't really want what he was offering. Most people want an easier, softer way where they can stay in a little bit of control of their lives. And I think most of us have a little bit of that. And see, these are the ones who weren't able to understand Jesus. And that, for that reason, their hearts were hardened. That desire to stay in control of our lives and not give it back to God is what hardens our hearts. And so when the good seed is sown, and that's what Jesus goes on, the sower sows the seed. That's Jesus is the Christ is the seed, the good news that's sown in our heart. It doesn't sink in and it doesn't stay. Mike had this great picture that he didn't get to use last week. Is it there? Next picture. There we go. Isn't that a great picture? And he, he just, I, for some reason, he wanted to get it through it. And you see the, the seed of the sower, the sower went out to sow seed, and it says it went on four kinds of soils. And three of the soils couldn't receive the message. Either it was hardened soil, it didn't receive it at all, or the other two soils could receive it for a little bit, but rejected it. These are all the hard kind of soils. Only one kind of soil was good. And the three soils always had something else they wanted other than Jesus. But the good soil 
just simply embraced the message and held the message and followed the message that Jesus is the Christ. Out of the four soils, only three were able, or one was able to receive it. And so the question Mike left us with last week is this, what kind of soil is your heart? What kind of soil is my heart? Okay, well, let's find out right now. And let's go back to our passage in verse 20 specifically. When Jesus asked his disciples who he thought he was, Peter answered, you are the Christ of God. Jesus is the Christ of God. That's the good news. That's the seed that gets sown into our hearts, takes root and grows if we receive it and hold on to it. But we have to accept it. So what keeps us from doing that? Some people have problems with the word or the title Christ. Christ, Messiah, Deliverer. Who do you say that I am? Peter answered, Christ of God. And again, that means Messiah. Some people don't want a Messiah. Some people don't want a Savior. In John chapter 1, verse 40 through 42, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. And the first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We found the Messiah! That is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. He was excited there was a Messiah, and the neat thing is that Peter was excited and followed him. Now, this is just a little sideline I want to throw in this, to diverge a little bit. Peter was a big deal back in the first, yeah, he was like the biggest deal in the church, right, back then? And how many of you think you can be like Peter? You know, no, we're not going to be like Peter. How would you like to be the one who brought Peter to Jesus? We don't hear much about Andrew, But Andrew was the one that brought Peter to Jesus. When you pray and invite and encourage, you don't know who you might be bringing to Jesus. Just think about that. Okay, back to the passage here. And so Peter just goes and guess what Peter finds out? He really is the Messiah. And so in our passage today, Peter himself is confessing, you are the Christ of God. The Messiah, the Deliverer, the Anointed One. By the way, the name Jesus means Savior. So they all, they're, both, they're synonymous. Jesus means Savior. Christ means Messiah, Deliverer, Savior. And, uh, and so some people, though, have troubles accepting the whole idea that they just simply need a Savior. You know, when I'm on the Wilsonville vortex headed north, and I'm just ready to blow up because the people are being idiots on the road, I don't realize I need a savior. And we have those moments where we forget. And some people just, they don't really want that. Now, some people have troubles thinking they need a savior. I'm doing fine. I'm good. I got this covered. I got enough money in my investment portfolios. You know, I'm, I'm good. And so I really don't need what Jesus is offering. Okay. Other people know they need help. Okay, they know I'm in trouble, I need help, but they're not ready to accept the solution Jesus offers. You know, they're they're looking for, again, an easier, softer way. And, uh, you know, and I I think the doctor has some meds he can give me. Um, And Jesus is just a religious myth anyway, and, you know, and there's this person, there's this this lady on YouTube that, man, she really has some good stuff. And, And there's this guy, man, He's got it down. And I got to listen to him. And, and again, if I could just make, or I just need to meditate and do a little bit more, you know, breathing. And that'll get me through. And uh, this Jesus stuff, though, is a little too radical. 
We're, we're kind of like the guy who fell off a cliff and is hanging onto the branch. I think we've all seen this one time. And he's just like about ready to die. And he calls, God, save me. And God says, let go of the branch. And at that point, he goes, is there anybody else up there? And that's what we do. When Jesus says, yeah, I'll save you, but let go of the branch. We're not, we're not ready for that solution. We're not ready for the Christ. We're not ready for him to do what he will, says he will do. But to do it, we've got to let go of the branch. And our problem in our society is we have too dang many branches to hang on to. I mean, there's always something else. So we have trouble with this whole idea of Jesus being the Christ of God. But he is the Christ of God, our Savior, deliver. Can you accept that? And embrace that in your life and hold on to it. If you can, then maybe you are good soil. Okay? While some people have troubles accepting the titles Christ, still other people have the problems with the word the. The. Who do you say that I am? Jesus asked Peter, the Christ of God. You see, Jesus is not just a deliverer. He is the Deliverer. He's not just a savior among many. He's the only savior available. There are no others. When you get to the final test and they ask the question, who or what do you believe in? Jesus, Moses, Muhammad, Buddhism, Hinduism, Taoism, etc., etc. There's not going to be a choice all of the above. It's not going to be there. It's Jesus. That's why Jesus himself says... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. That's Jesus. I don't know what else to tell you. He's the only one. But that's too narrow for many people, especially in our culture, where it's fashionable to be open to all the various spiritual paths and fads that are out there today. And if you only accept Jesus, then you're narrow and you're just you're not politically correct. But that's just how it is. Now, how many of you all heard the phrase, all roads lead to God? You all heard that? Do you realize how stupid that is? I mean, it's just, you know, it, it's just crazy. It's like the old saying, all roads lead to Rome, or all roads lead to Portland, or all roads lead to Starbucks. You know, which Starbucks? I mean, it's just not true. It just, I mean, it's just not true. And it begs the question of direction. Even if all roads did lead to God, what direction are you going on that road? Because you could be on the right road going the wrong direction. I mean, the whole idea, you know, there's only one road, there's only one path that leads to life, and guess who that is? Jesus. Okay? That's why in Acts it says, Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men among men by which we must be saved. Jesus is the Christ of God. Can you accept that and embrace it in your heart and grow in that and let that seed grow? If you can, then maybe you're good soil. Some people have problems with the word, phrase, of God. Jesus is the Christ of God. Who do you say to him? Jesus asked. Peter answered, Christ of God. This affirms that Jesus is not just another human teacher offering us the latest, greatest self-help formula. He is of God. He is God. Get that? Well, that's what he's saying here. In the beginning was the Word. That's Jesus. And the Word was with God, or of God, and the Word was God. That's what the Bible teaches us very clearly. And not everybody likes that idea. In John chapter 8, 
The religious leaders were surrounding Jesus and they were challenging him. And they said, you're not yet 50 years old, the Jews said to him. And you've seen Abraham? I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And they picked up stones to stone him. Now, in that passage, Jesus is not just claiming to be preexistent to Moses. Or, I, mean, I mean, he's saying before Abraham, who was, you know, 1,000, 1,500 years before, Jesus is basically saying, I was way before at the beginning. That right there is a God claim. But that's not the earth-shaking statement here. When Jesus said, before Abraham was born, I am, he said it in a phrase in the, in the Greek where it, make, it made it really clear that he was using the exact name for God that God gave himself way back in Exodus chapter 3 when God was speaking to Moses. And we read about it in Exodus 3. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. That title I am is where we start getting this, the word for Yahweh. And it was such a sacred word for God, the Jews did not even pronounce it. When they read that passage, they substituted the word with another Hebrew word, which meant Lord. And, it, and, that's, and so that's, what, that's how that happened. But it was a sacred name, and no one even dared to say it. Okay? And then all of a sudden, Jesus says, before Abraham was born, I am. It's one of the greatest God claims Jesus ever made. And we know they understood what he meant because they picked up stones to kill him on the spot. It was blasphemy to them. But that's who Jesus is of God. Okay? But what does this mean? It means he's not just our Savior deliverer. He is God. That means he is our Lord. That means he's the one in charge. He's the one in true control. He's the one with all authority over everything in all creation, including you and me. He is, in fact, the boss of me. I'm not the boss of me. He is the boss of me. And to be honest, I'm really glad about that. I, I was fortunate to discover early on when it comes to managing my own life, pardon the language, I suck at it. I don't do very well. And when I gave Jesus, and I, and I still take it back now and then, and I, and I regret it every time, but it's so nice to be able to say, Jesus, you're in charge. Can I trust you to be in charge? Can I give this to you? Man, it's the source of all peace and contentment. And I, you know, I, I like every, I'm like everybody. I struggle with my will. I struggle with my wants, my wishes. And, but every time I let God be in charge, that's the beginning of whatever solution I need. And it's really, really good. I'm glad to let Jesus be in charge. It's a relief. It's good news. And it keeps getting gooder. I'm sorry, better. <laughs> I, I could see you cringing out there. And it comes back to the issue of control. I might be okay with Jesus saving me, but I want him to save me so I can get back to running my own life. And that's what many people do. They accept Jesus just so they can get through the day, but they want to get back to running things on their own. But it doesn't work that way. Because running my own life is what gets me into trouble in the first place. One of my favorite passages, Matthew 11, I love this passage, come to me. All you are weary and burdened, I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I just, man, that's comforting. It's just, sounds really good. 
But I have to understand what a yoke is. A yoke is this collar-like thing you put over an animal so you can control and guide and steer it. That's what a yoke is. And when I let Jesus' yoke be on me, that's hand, it's okay. But when I take the reins, it gets pretty dang heavy. Okay? And so again, people don't like the idea of a yoke. And that yoke being Jesus. So some people have troubles with the idea of Christ. Some people have troubles with the Christ. And some people have troubles with the Christ of God. But if you can accept that Jesus is the Christ of God and embrace that and let that seed grow in your heart, then maybe you are good soil. Okay? So Jesus asked his disciples, and I'm going to close with this. Who do you say that I am? And I think Jesus is asking each and every one of you today. Jesus is asking you right now, who do you say that I am? Let's all be standing for a closing word of prayer. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for sending your son Jesus. I just thank you that he's in our lives, that it's such a blessed gift. And you've called us to experience it. You've called us to share it and reflect it to others. And we struggle with that, Father, but we ask for you to help us because we want to do your will. And we want to see that message carried to others. And so bless us and in your name, build your church in your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Oh, instructions for the chairs. We have a potluck, and we're going to, John's going to tell us. Okay, those of you who love to help us with chairs, we really appreciate it. But today, if you find any linked chairs, if you look at this side, this wall over here, start from this wall of the chairs that are linked and pick up the right-hand side of it. That's how you unlink them. It's really easy to do, but you have to start at the right place to get them unlinked. Okay. Thanks, Don.